my guest this week is our special guest, Christopher Michael, whom I've had the pleasure of doing a number of walks with and is one of the most interesting people that I know. Um, and he always has interesting things to tell me. And so I'm really interested in your tools for us this week. Chris, could you introduce yourself to our audience? Absolutely. Um, are there guests that are not special or is everyone a special guest? Everybody is a special guest on this program. Okay. Okay. Just checking to see where I fit in. Uh, yeah. My name is Christopher Michael and I'm a photographer. And um, I think, as you know, I've been doing this for about 15 years full time. But before that, I was an entrepreneur. And before that, I flew for the Navy as a navigator and mission commander hunting submarines. So I'm hoping this, my third career will stick. Yes. Well, um, it's a great thing. And, and you have become, in my estimation, the de facto photographic recorder of Silicon Valley and the kind of nerd tribe that I belong to. And um, I hope you keep going with that in your different projects, which we might at the very end have a chance to talk about. I'm going to add this to the back of my book that I'm working <laughs> on. And uh, I'll just say as a small aside, I once had the opportunity to be the Dalai Lama's photographer for a week. And at the end of the trip, um, he was given a copy of my book, which is about Tibet. Right. And you know, he lived there and it was at the cover as Portola Palace. And this book has no text. It's basically just photographs. And the Dalai Lama looked at the books and he kind of looked a bit dismayed and said, there are no words. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he meant it this way, but I thought it was a perfect book quote. Yeah. There are no words. Okay. That's, that's a great blurb for a photo book. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there are no words for what I see here. <laughs> exactly. I think you get the idea of my photography. Right, right, exactly. There are no words. So, um, Chris, tell us about your, your first tool. Okay. Well, um, I, as we kind of talked about, and uh, as I'm a photographer, and I spend, well, except during the pandemic, I spend, you know, seven months a year on the road in faraway places, mostly polar regions. So like Antarctica, and I just came back from Svalbard with some of our mutual friends like Hugh Howie. And um, these are kind of cold and moderately uncomfortable places. And when I come home, I often want to just shut down. So I want to be in a kind of smaller place, maybe a darker place, uh, maybe a place where I can be more introspective um, and uh, often process photographs. And so I guess I kind of find myself gravitating towards um, the quiet when I'm home, because sometimes when I'm away, it feels far away and cold. And so my first set of cool tools relate to kind of something that's really important to me. And it's my kind of um, morning ritual. And that morning ritual takes place in my library where I am now. You can sort okay, of see okay. it. It's not usually, it's not usually this dark. Uh, and there's my little puppy dog, Sadie. And, or it's not usually this bright, I'm sorry. It's usually darker. And um, I love coffee. Mm -hmm. So a big part of my morning ritual is making a good cup of coffee. And I have done many things uh, in this category and tried many things. So I used to make espresso drinks and lattes with a nice machine. And I stopped doing that. It wasn't as healthy. And then I was doing pour overs, as many people do. I was buying my beans and grinding them. And uh, then I got a very high-end uh, coffee maker, um, and it was okay. But um, what I've triangulated on is I think the best coffee solution is me grinding the beans the night before. I know coffee people are going to be upset about that, but I can't tell the difference. 
And I uh, put them in my, you know, two or $300 uh, OXO a nine cup coffee maker, which I just love. So my first two tools, and I'll walk you over there, you can sort of check this out, are my coffee maker and um, my grinder, which is by Fellows. And it's pretty inexpensive. It's like a two or $300 grinder. And and if that sounds expensive, a lot of grinders are a lot more expensive. So you can kind of see, it's difficult for me to see, but can you kind of see that? Yeah, yeah. So here's my... Uh, there's I my three, uh, three or four different uh, things. Yes. Well, the three or four different things. So the two things that are in my recommendation are the grinder right here by Fellows. And it's really cool. You just push the button. It's pretty quiet. And just a coffee maker. And I just, you know, you just put the beans in and put water in. And I set it to 6 a.m. And I have it every morning. This device here, I wouldn't, I, I love it, but I wouldn't recommend it for most people. It's a doser. So basically in the morning... I just turn this thing on and or in the evening when I set up my coffee, 55 grams and it doses my beans. And that was a recommendation from James Freeman, the founder of Blue Bottle Coffee. Okay. And I thought it was really cool and, uh, but not necessary. So those and are my. And first. So what, what, and so what kind of coffee is it in general? I'm not a coffee drinker. So. Oh, okay. Well, let's take a look. I have it actually out. Sorry. No, I don't mean the brand. I mean, what would you call this kind of coffee? Oh, it's like drip coffee. Drip. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm grinding right now, JBC, uh, Ethiopian. And it's really a fun thing because in a way it's kind of these single origin coffees. You learn about the farms and the people and I order them on the internet and mm -hmm. that's like $20 a bag of coffee and, I don't drink that much wine, so this is kind of <laughs> my, my wine fix. I do like wine, but I don't sleep as well anymore having it. So uh, right. anyway, so I, I make a nice cup of coffee, and it's in my uh, my dinosaur mug. Right. And so we, we just repeat the, the, the models or the brands of yeah. those uh, devices. And, yeah, we'll and they're all on Amazon, and I, I sent you the links, right. but it's the OXO 9-cup coffee maker. Nine cup means it can make up to nine cups. Yes. And, the, and these cups are kind of confusing. I think they actually, it's like two and a half big mugs. You know, okay. you can see each one of these is like three or four cups. So oh, my coffee, unless it's those like little coffee cups you get at conferences, which you're <laughs> kind of wondering why they even serve them. Um, okay. And, uh, and, that so was, and, the, and the grinder was. Uh... It's the Fellows Ode Grinder. Okay. And they're both on Amazon. Okay. And, um, you know, if you bought those, you would save yourself a lot of time trying out a lot of other things. I actually think it tastes better than my pour over coffee. So okay. uh, it's really good. And that brand is really excellent. Um, okay. And, you know, I come and I sit down, I have a little like Buddhist gong, which I, mm -hmm. gong, and I do a little meditation. It's nice and quiet with a little background music. And then I do some short readings and I um, have them here on my Kindle because I change them out all the time. I have a lot of books, but I change them out all the time. And the two that um, I've been reading recently are um, uh, The Daily Stoic, mm -hmm. uh, which is Ryan's book, Ryan Halliday. And let's see the other one. The other one is by Thich Nhat Hanh. And they're basically like uh, daily, kind of just like daily readings and one of them actually has dates so the mm -hmm. daily stoic has like you know september 3rd and um the thick knock on he's written as you know he's a famous vietnamese buddhist yeah. um, and um that's not that way it's just 
it's just short paragraphs, but I find that the, these two readings kind of center me where I want to be centered. Um, and uh, it starts off the day kind of nicely. And then, then I go into kind of photography or processing mm-hmm. my photos and, and um, I don't know, it, it, that ritual gives me great, great joy. Uh, relating to that is another thing of comfort for me. And it's something, you know, a lot of people have had these, they're, had something like this their whole life, but I never found one I liked. And as a polar adventure, I'm a bit embarrassed to say, but my next recommendation are slippers. <laughs> so, and you'd think that like people who spend time at the South Pole wouldn't have slippers, but you'd be wrong. So those people who live at um, Amundsen Scott Base, they, they're looking for everything they can find that's comfortable to wear inside this kind of, you know, lunar survival shelter, if you will. And uh, I've tried lots of slippers over the years and I've thrown them all away because none of them worked for me. And about three years ago, I found a pair that does work and I love it. And what was it about the other slippers that didn't work? And what is it about the slippers that do work? That's a good question. Um, I don't 100% know. I've had the slippers that have, uh, you know, like fur on the inside. And I don't know, they just seem too much. They're too big or too clunky or... um, and these, which are leather, they're called Gleerups. They're leather and felt, and they're kind of a cult. They're kind of a cult pair of shoes. Um, cult means mean that they have an avid following. Is that yes, right? yes. They're not part of a cult, and you don't have to need a cult to have them, or, although it's not precluded. Uh, and so they, they come avid, as, avid, avid fans of this. Yeah. Are they hard to find? No, no, you can go to gleerup.com, I think, or they're on Amazon and REI sells them and they're sold by a lot of places. And it's, um, you know, felt and leather, but they also make a pair and I have more than one pair with rubber. So you can get the rubber pair if you want. I use these to go outside. So if I want to get the garbage or whatever, I just put these on and I keep a set of these by the front door because I don't wear shoes in the house. So people can find their shoe size with their gleerups and wear them. And... um, so. And so you, um, for you, the other slippers were maybe the not sturdy enough, not warm enough, not, uh, what's the word I want? Um, they're not- either not comfortable enough or they were too much. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to wear clogs on my feet. That just doesn't feel great. What about and Crocs? I think, you know, I don't like this idea. I've never, I've never been a Croc person. I mean, they look terrible. I mean, you know, I'm sure you don't choose by the way things look, probably just function. And obviously they have a huge following, but I don't know, this idea of this big rubber clog on my foot just doesn't feel good. Having the soft felt with leather that wears Uh uh, feels really nice. They're about a hundred dollars. So that's probably more expensive than Crocs, but yeah. 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 They they are. So, so, um, uh, and presumably you have different, um, colors to choose from and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah yeah. they come in different colors and they come in different shoe heights there's some yeah. that are kind of like uh more like shoes these are more like slippers right right okay and, uh, the rubber ones i wear to the coffee shop nearby and i mean uh, they don't you know they look like slippers but <laughs> uh, they're, they're super comfortable they're probably okay. the most, honestly they're probably the, my favorite shoe that i've ever owned why don't you just wear the uh, them all the time outside Mm. Well, they they don't offer a lot of support. So if you're going to do any kind of walking, you know, a tennis shoe would be better and they don't look that great. I mean, they look okay. They look like what they are. 
Okay. But, um, you know, yeah. Leather shoes sometimes look better if you're going out. Right. You, you, you pegged me right. Cause I'm a crock guy. Oh yeah. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've judged you for it. In fact, what I, color, even what wear, color I, wear the, I wear the imitation Crocs. Okay. Which is like even a step. That's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah that's that's my epitaph the guy who wears imitation crocs yeah 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 exactly <laughs> I don't um, think i've ever worn them are they really comfortable yes they're very comfortable because we also don't wear shoes inside the house and so yeah. oh um, you inside the house too i don't uh i wear primarily um around the house uh or so, or if i'm just going down the street to the taqueria or something where I'm not going to do a lot of walking because we slip. They, they're so easy to slip in and out. And I'm sure that's probably also part of what you're saying. What, what, uh, what size foot do you have? Um, now a nine. Okay. Well, you might find some glue reps waiting for you. <laughs> um, so what's another tool that you um, would hate to be without? Well, you know, I was thinking about this and there's a there's three other things that I would really recommend to people. And so this is um, kind of outside my uh, comfort theme. This is just things that I have with me all the time. And uh, when you asked me to do this, you said, let's not make it all about photography. But that I interpreted that as it can be a little bit about photography. <laughs> yes, it can. So actually, I have it right here. Let me just grab this thing. So we could we could talk about cameras, you know, that. It's interesting. The number one question I get um, in general is about camera selection. So I, I kind of wish it was about photographic technique or what I've learned. You, you don't ask ever about camera gear. Every time I try to talk to you about it, in fact, you change the subject immediately. Right. I'm always I'm reminded interested. of Lance Armstrong, who his response, it's not the bike when, when he would talk to people. So it's not the camera, but cameras are interesting and you need a camera so you might as well have one that's a good one so well uh, you know I have a, this is a slight um rabbit hole but where you and i might disagree because uh, you know i love tools i love tools and i think some tools uh are incredibly functional and get the job done and some tools do that but they're also inspirational tools mm -hmm. so behind me right over here let me just grab one of these is this isn't my recommendation so i'm just this does not count this, not this, count. <laughs> this is my leica you know so i've been shooting leica for many years and um i helped launch their one of their more recent cameras the leica sl2 i was one of their ambassadors and this is a tool that's highly functional but it's a tool that inspires me so every time i pick this camera up i think about brisson and i think about um the people who made this camera who i visited in, in wetzlar germany um, it feels good in my hand and it inspires me to make good photographs. So I do think some tools have that quality. And, you know, what I always say about cameras are, um, you know, buy the camera that inspires you. Mm, you know, so, that's interesting. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, uh, one, of, one of your previous guests, Paul Sappho, is shooting a the newest Sony um, A7R4. That was my camera. He has my camera now. Why does he have my camera? Because I didn't find that camera inspiring. It's an incredibly functional tool, uh -huh. but I find it like using a computer. Right. And using a computer and taking photographs at the same time are not 
in my headspace where I want to be. Uh-huh. Be in a tactile, mechanical, optical right. world. And that's why Leica kind of works for me. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I do think that there's a there's an aspect of tools that are kind of like that um, or can mm-hmm. be. Do, do you agree? Do you think there's something to that? I do. Um, it's if if having a particular camera would encourage you to either shoot more or to sh- particularly to shoot better, it's by all means worth it. Um, and so it kind of depends on whether you it actually does inspire you to to do it. <clears throat> and do you so, have any tools that inspire you? Well, what I'm finding out is actually this is my new camera. I've I'm deliberately not taking my camera anymore <coughs> and using the phone because it actually inspires me to to shoot more and to take more. And I like the challenge of trying to just use a phone. Particularly, and then I'll probably get the the new version that has a little built-in um, telephoto, because that is the main reason why I was carrying a camera was just oh. super zoom because I needed a telephoto. If I can do the telephoto on the phone, that's like there's I'm not going to go back to a camera. But that's me. That's because I you know I've been through cameras, and so for me, there's more. I'm more inspired, so to speak, to try and use a phone and its limits. And for me, that would work. For someone else, they might need other things to help them get outside and um, or wherever they're going to go or set something up in their studio or whatever it takes. And so uh, I, I, I do agree that, that, that you should try different things and find something that really encourages you and rewards you for taking the time. Yeah. And if that's something specialized or even expensive, it may be worth it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because that's a good segue into my tools. Right. Um, And, you know, uh, when I teach my photo classes, I talk about the phone. So actually in my last photo class in Santa Fe, I had my first student ever that just had a phone. And, you know, that's, you know, it's a little bit startling to see that because I'm used to people bringing these expensive cameras (laughs) and using all these different lenses. And they actually asked me ahead of time if that would be okay. And I thought about it and Mm -hmm. decided it, it would be okay. And in fact, it's a, it's worth mentioning that if you have a later iPhone, you have a very good camera in your pocket, but the key is you have to treat it like a camera. And this is what almost no one does, including me. So often when I take my phone out, I am predisposed to snapping a really quick picture or taking a lot of them. So, oh, here's like 12 yeah. pictures. And then they go into the iCloud and they live there for some period of time until they're accidentally deleted or something happens, right? Mm-hmm. Heaven forbid something happens to you and all of your photos just mm-hmm. go away, right? So um, not you specifically, but all of us. And um, so if you treat it like a camera, which means you take a moment, you comp- you know, you visualize the image you want, you take the picture that you want, you optimize the picture, and then you take the photo probably off of your phone and edit it and save it someplace. Like I I probably should recommend these, they aren't on my tool list, but you know, uh, Google Photos and Amazon Photos to me are must use products. I have the apps running on my phone and on my computer and they're storing my photos. Google, you pay for storage, but get this on Amazon. If you're a Prime member, it's free. Yeah. Free raw storage and free JPEG. And 
this may not be obvious to everyone, but the genius of having, so I don't delete any photos, the genius of having every raw photo you've ever taken or any photo you've ever taken in the cloud is I can go back to one of our many hikes or maybe the first time I met you. I, I took a photo, I probably saved that photo, but I really took 20 photos. And on my phone, I can pull down all 20 of those photos. I can relive in high definition mm-hmm. all of these moments without having to go to a hard drive or finding it stored someplace. And this is amazing. I mean, this is like transforms things. I've actually gone and re-edited whole trips and they're just so easy to get the photos because a lot of editing tools are way better than they used to be. Right, right. um, And and one of the advantages of Google is that you can search for things without without having labeled them. Absolutely. Well, they've got the best... This is either good news or bad news. They've got the best search algorithms in the world. So actually your face is tagged and it actually finds photos that I don't even know exist. Right. That you didn't yeah. photos of me that yes. you might have taken and not ever tagged. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you, you know, this is this is our great segue into I carry my phone everywhere, but I don't I think of it as like an emergency camera like not a camera that I would want to use. That being said, if there's like groups of people, sometimes the iPhone works better than a regular camera because everything tends to be in focus, Mm -hmm. you know, rather than like highly selective focus. Um, And every time I run, for example, I carry a little camera in my pocket and that's my next tool. And this is it. This is the best small camera in the world. It's the Ricoh GR3. It comes in two versions. It comes in a version. They're both fixed lens versions. That's 28 millimeter mm-hmm. uh, focal length, which is the same focal length as your phone. And for people who aren't familiar with cameras, that's basically a relatively wide angle image. So your phone image is 28 right. millimeters. And it comes in a 40 millimeter version, which is kind of what we see with our eyes. Right. A little better for portraiture. But this little camera, you know, it's not inexpensive. It's not inexpensive. It's like $900. Um but is an, and it's an APS-C size sensor, which is quite a large sensor. It's smaller than full frame, but it's a better sensor than I think you would find in way higher end cameras. So when they do sensor testing, this is one of the best sensors in the world. And this thing fits in your pocket. It's tiny. Um, do you need it? Well, if you have this, maybe not. Um, but I use this like a camera. You know, these are high resolution, beautiful images that I can print at any size. And I carry it with me all the time. So it gets me into that muscle memory of shooting with a camera. And um, and I also do something unusual. I don't process these photos every day. So normally when we go for a walk, a few hours later, you get a set of photos mailed to you. Um, I keep them on the memory card. And about once a month, I pull the memory card out and I it's kind of my running photos. And I just see, you know, but it's also added a lot of joy to me because when I go running or walking, I stop all the time. Mm-hmm. photo i'm looking i'm always looking you know that's that's the beauty of being a photographer for all of us which is it changes how we see the world exactly that I'm inspired is, by things that is why i photograph for forever was it was an excuse it forced me to go out and look absolutely so it was um i kind of photograph to see just like i write to think I, I 100% agree. And and um uh that that I wouldn't call it discipline cuz I I am not as disciplined about it but but that practice of 
photographing is not so much to collect the photographs, but to see, to, 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 to force myself to look. But, you know, I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, photography was kind of a whim in my life. I didn't expect to be a photographer. And I'm just so grateful to have this practice as part of my life. And right. carry a camera. I see the world that way. But I also love it because I think memories are the currency of our lives. You know, these yeah. these moments that we were, like we were together hiking in the Cotswolds, like remember that day we were in the field and we made those. I mean, that memory is really important to me. That's really important. And I'm grateful to have had that captured. Um, it's like a smell or something that triggers that memory part of the brain. Right, right. So I don't just, when I see the photo, I don't just see the photo. I, I re-experience an element of or component of what we had. And I'm sure that's true. I mean, I, I have your three book series here, Vanishing Asia. There are a lot. How many photos are in the? 9,000 plus. <laughs> Yeah, 9,000. So when you look at all, when you look at those 9,000 photos, can you remember the detail? Can you remember where you were? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. I, I mean, I can't remember the, often the name, but I can remember being Thanks. there. I can remember the other details um, for most of them. I mean, there are occasional ones like, you know, like I don't quite remember, but um, by and large, it is a it is a prompt. And what's, you know, what's curious is what people have studied this have shown is that oftentimes our memories over time become formed by those photographs. Yeah. Because well, we, it is kind of a bookmark, but it's more than a bookmark. Right. Or it's more than it. It actually, it becomes our canonical version of things. Yeah. And we, we kind of, because it kind of, it, 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 what's the word I want? It enhances or emphasizes a particular view and that, it kind of like brings it, it. It it brings something to the surface. We we have difficulty accessing all our memories, and because we, you know, in our brain we were there, but we can only retrieve certain things. And making a photograph actually assists in retrieving that, and so that becomes the sort of the thing that we retrieve. Yeah. Well, my last photo uh, tool is the is the camera bag that I use all the time. So this is my uh, Ona Bowery bag, and it's a little leather bag. It's really small. It looks kind of big because it's close to the lens, but it's small. Like, here's my Leica camera, you know, just as a sense. Well, okay. And um, I've had many, many camera bags, as all photographers have, and this is the one that I love the most. And um, well, I carry I, it with me all the time. Tell me about why um, why you love it. It's really small. It looks good. It wears well. It's I can find everything really easily. Everyone comments about the bag. They think right. it's really cool. Um, it's just simple. You know, some of these camera bags are like tech items or yeah, yeah, and yeah. I have some of those things. Right. It looks like you're on a photo shoot. You know, this yeah. is like I'm, I'm just out. Right, right. So um, I went through a number of camera bags and for when I was working on my books, I had you know, a very specific kind of thing that I was shooting, street photography, at certain kinds of cameras that I was using. And I couldn't find anything exactly what I wanted. And so I commissioned a bag oh, maker. Only you. To, to make it. And it was not, it was probably not more expensive than if you bought one. And I, he made a little prototype and we kind of then tweaked it. 
And uh, it was that's not made out of leather. It's made out of, you know, the Cordura kind of backpacker kind of material. Um, but that to me was kind of like, so now I have like a custom bag. It's very tiny. It has exactly what I wanted and the zipper, this and the Velcro, that. And we're well, not Velcro, it's actually a magnet. And um, it's custom made to carry what I carry. Because one of the things that I carry is I carry a folded umbrella inside because it's not just a camera bag, it's also my thing. And I use that for shade as well as for if I did do a flash. Um, but th- there's all there's a couple of things in it that like you know I had very very specific requirements. So, so cool. do you still have it? Yeah, I do. Okay, bring it on the next hike. I'd love to see it. Um, and uh, I'm just suggesting as a cool tool besides the leather bag that you're showing, um, and you might be able to find somebody if if you really have specific requirements you might be able to find someone to make a bag for you not much more than actually purchasing one yeah, uh i know a number of photographers that have done that i think Ohm may have done that Ohm Alec, um mm-hmm. alan schaller has done that but you know one thing that's changed potentially since you had that made is there are these incredible specialty modern bag makers like peak design right so i have a there a bay area company i have a peak design backpack which many right. people have and then i have one that's the the sling, which is really small. And uh, honestly, I don't think I could come up with anything better than that. I mean, it does everything. This isn't my main shooting bag. This is my, I carry a camera everywhere I go back. Right, right. I'm shooting and I need multiple lenses and I need other things. It really, the kit determines the bag. Right, exactly. Right. And and my my bag is, was my, you know, my, my Asia shooting bag where I had two, two, two or three cameras and lenses and, and a, and a umbrella and then a place for my passport and my wallet. And um, yeah. So, so um, uh, don't, don't count them out because um, you know, little bag makers are often would love, they love that, that opportunity to, to make something. Yeah, and then once you create it, you could put it on Kickstarter. Exactly. <laughs> so the bag, if you buy, if you buy uh, vanishing Asia, you get the Kevin Kelly travel bag. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's very unlikely that anybody else would suit would suit them, but the um, um, you could because it is very, very, very small, and and that it barely stuff barely fits in. But that was a one of the requirements. The bag that you have, and they recommend, is there a name for it? Yes, it's the it's from Ona O N A. It's the name yeah. of the company, and it's the Bowery. The Bowery, yeah. okay. And it comes, it comes in fabric and canvas and okay. leather. I just like the leather because it looks cool, but yeah. uh, it doesn't matter. Um, right. But I guess I would call it kind of like a fashion camera bag. Right, right. It's like something you could just carry around and not look like you're a photographer. It's also kind of good because maybe people would be less likely to take it or yeah, it's, yeah. you know, it's a little more subtle. Right. Um, right. You know, camera bags are a little bit different than that. Um and my my last tool is is not really photography related, and I wanted to have one tech tool, and this is it. Maybe you've already maybe you already talked about this. Have you guys used this on your on Cool Tools yet? Uh, the Anchor Power yes. Charger. Yes, I love this thing. Yeah, they've just recently come out with a new model, and maybe that's the one. I don't have the current one. 
Well, what's amazing about this thing is not only is it fast charging of any USB-C devices and USB, but it's powerful enough to keep my uh, MacBook Pro charged. So basically, I don't carry that giant brick around. You know, that huge thing that yeah, ships yeah, with yeah. Apple? You know, I just have this thing and a bunch of USB-C cables. Right. And so some USB-C cables plug right in, like I'm using a MacBook Air here, just plugs right in, no problem. Right. And the new MacBook Pros have, uh, they've gone back like the what's old is new again. They have the yeah, yeah, but it's, it goes into a USB-C. Yeah. So what I love about this tool is one of my fears in traveling to remote places is that uh, there will be a critical thing that I need that I have left behind or I've lost. So the top of that list was the like a um, an SD card reader. Yeah. <laughs> so remember when when Joni was running design yeah, and Apple, yeah. they got rid of everything. It's like right, right. there's no plugs, there's no you know, there's no uh, reader. So I always had to carry that thing with me, and I was yeah. always worried about losing it. Well, fortunately, they put all that stuff back. But yeah. the power cable is also one of those things. Yeah. And yeah. So this, if you, you can have two of these things, and basically power everything that you right. have. Right, and right. Yeah, no, I know. I I had the same um, nightmare. I guess is one time I left on a trip, and I forgot to bring my camera battery charger. Oh yeah, it's like that was. It's like because I tried everything to try and charge the battery without the charger, but those are so specific. In terms, well, I can. Uh, I I can. Well, I don't know if I can beat that, but I can relate. I went to Antarctica for the first time in 2004 and I brought a Canon 1DS and the charger was a big thing. It's like a huge block of whatever. And I had it in my, I checked it in a bag and my bags never made it to Antarctica. Mm -hmm. So I had one battery <laughs> for three weeks in Antarctica <laughs> and I like turned everything off. And I took one, it was like using a like large format film, one picture and um, until it died. And then I tried everything. I'm, I'm lucky I didn't burn the boat down yeah. to uh, charge that one battery. <laughs> you know, what's great about the new world. Well, soon, hopefully we'll get rid of lightning and we'll just have USB-C in our iPhones. Yeah. What's also great is almost all new cameras have in-camera USB-C charging. Mm -hmm. So, you know, these nightmares of like, you know, not waking up in time for the exam, <laughs> forgetting to drop a class and forgetting your charger. These nightmares can be yeah. put, put away. Yeah. I put next to like, uh, yeah, you're in class in your underwear. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> That'd be a fun list. So like most common like nightmare. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, speaking of as, you know, as photographer nightmares, um, there were, it's not just digital because I had there was exactly the same kinds of things with film and the quintessential the 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 the, the most um, canonical um, error in the old film days, which I did, was the way you would put film in, and there would be a little leader film that would connect oh, yeah. to the roll thing, and um, it only took one time, one time where. Um, I thought the film was advancing, but it was not advancing. It hadn't quite caught. Oh yeah. And so I was shooting a roll of film. The uh, the unlimited roll of film. It just the unlimited <laughs> roll of film. It was like, wait a minute, this is like thirty six. We yeah. And then it was like, you know, 
that was just the hard. I'm surprised it only happened to you once. It's happened to me so many times. Now I check on my Leica to see if yeah. it's rotating the. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the very easy solution. Is I rewind it back until it's snug, and then I make sure that that thing is rotating. But um, uh, anyway, so there's there, there's equivalence nightmares even in the old film days. Well, uh, you know, I'm I'm just glad to see these electronics manufacturers going to a common standard. Right. I'm all for that. I mean, I don't know if it should be regulated, but I'm all for it. Yeah. Uh, these, exactly. All these chargers and things. I mean, it's such a giant hassle. Right. Right. It is. So, um, so, so anyway, that that anchor is. Does it have a model name or number? Yeah. It's. Uh, it says the. USB-C charger, 735 charger, Nano okay. 2. Oh, it's the Nano 265 watt. Nano 2, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that is. I, I have one that I'm carrying myself. and um, It's really awesome. Yeah, highly recommend it. I have, actually, I made a squid. I made a, my own squid um, outlet, which has, um, has like three different outlets with three uh, for power. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then plus... Um, one that had all this USB, and I did that when I was traveling, particularly with with other people, because you'd be in a hotel in some remote place, and there might be one outlet. This yeah. is not uncommon in very remote, you know, third world country hotels where they have one single outlet, and you're trying to charge yeah. multiple batteries, multiple computers, multiple phones, and so. Um, uh, that's becoming less of an issue these days. Uh, I find it's still an issue. You're on little boats. I'm in a tent someplace. I bring my own power pack and I need to plug yeah. multiple things in it. And you can buy one for like $6 now. Sorry. They're, they sell them all over Amazon. It's the like uh, one plug, multiple prong right. thing. Yeah. Well, I, no, love, I, I had I a split that actually that. had one thing and then it actually split into yeah. different wires. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or you can just make one for me. Yes. Or they buy for $4 on Amazon. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mean, so, um, Chris, tell us about um, your current projects, or one uh, of them anyway, or uh, your workshop, or a book, or what would you like to, to share, or both? Well, I, uh, well, I think you know my, um, my main focus right now. So I'm the artist in residence at the National Academy of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, and I'm uh, working on a project called New Heroes. And the idea is that we uh, hear from a lot of people in the news or in, in the media. And I wouldn't say that they're all great role models. I won't name any names, but I think we can imagine who we're talking about. And we oftentimes don't hear very much about people that are contributing their lives to society, mm -hmm. that are making a huge difference in the world. Mm -hmm. And um, so... Um, I started this project with the National Academies, which is probably the premier science organization in the world, to photograph and help elevate people in science, engineering, and medicine. So it could be Nobel laureates like Jennifer Doudna or Francis Arnold, um, David Baltimore. It could be astronauts um, like Victor Glover, G uh, mission controller Gene Krantz. Um, it could be writers like Michael Pollan. Um, but it also could be people up and, up and coming in their career. So I'm traveling around the country and interviewing and photographing these people and um, and giving away the photos to them, to their institutions, to the academies. I've updated hundreds of Wikipedia pages. Um, so the photos all get given away. And it's also kind of um, a big deal to these scientists like Carolyn Porco, for example, who worked with uh, Carl Sagan on uh, to image the pale blue dot and 
was the Cassini imaging lead. She said that every time, well, maybe I shouldn't say this. Let's just say she found it difficult to be able to legally use the professional photos that were taken of her mm -hmm. um, because photographers don't often give them away. So I'm giving these scientists great imagery that they can use. And we've done that with you, right? I've taken your photo. You're one of my new heroes. Stuart is one of my new heroes. And in my world, everyone knows who you are. But in a lot of places, people don't know. And I think that they would find it inspiring to know. And so um, this couples a lot of things that I love. One is, you know, like we're all looking for purpose in our lives. So this this feels like something I can uniquely do in the world. Mm. Uh, I love interesting people. Right. Like kind of like you, I, you know, it's an excuse to go spend a day mm -hmm. with people that are changing the world and to learn from them and build friendships. And um, so that takes most of my time. And sure. uh, uh, you were asking about workshops a couple times a year. I try to give back uh, my passion for photography to others and I teach workshops. So um, there's a I have an upcoming workshop in October and there's a room if people want to sign up. And it's the Santa Fe workshops. It's in San Miguel de Allende. And it's like only four days or five days. But what I would say to people who either are photographers or early in their career, or maybe they have never really taken photos seriously is the one thing about photography is it's easy to learn. Mm -hmm. I am 100% confident that I can teach anyone to be a good photographer. Uh, being a great photographer is different. So it's easy to learn, hard to master, I guess I would say. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm a great photographer. I'm working at that every day, mm -hmm. right? It's so hard to get to that next level. But making good photos consistently is really easy. And in four days, I can absolutely teach people to do that. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of fun. So that's in October if people want to sign up for that. And uh, next year, I'll do Maine and probably Santa Fe. And then I just led a trip to Svalbard. So I had 10 interesting photographers or budding photographers on this trip. And, mm -hmm. you know, to me, it isn't just about being in class. It's adventuring with your friends and learning from them and with a purpose. And the purpose right, right, right. is like photography. And we, we did a little bit of that even on our walk in the Cotswolds, right, right. where, where photography was a part of that. Yeah, um, you could imagine leading, leading a photo walk that was a week long. Um, yeah. So in our uh, walk and talk, we did a topic that people chose every night. But in my classes, everyone gives me their five best photos and we review them for that day for that day for the day. Yeah. yeah we yeah. review them uh, that night or yeah. the next morning and fantastic. everyone can watch the photo review. And it's so easy to learn. Right. Right. Would make a better picture. Yes. So easy. It's so straightforward. Yeah, that's really great. So if people were interested in seeing your photo so far from the National Science um, Foundation project, I know you have um, a uh, snub hub, is that right? Uh, mug mug? Oh, well, if you go to Christopher, M-I-C-H-E-L.com, you can see my portfolio. Yeah. But um, if you want, I will send you a link to the place where people can go see all well, of those. Well, whatever you would prefer, we'll have a link there where people can see. Yeah. Yeah, and they can download the images and they can use them. And yeah, right. It's cool. Let's say, well, thank you for being so generous. That's really wonderful and inspiring. And for sharing your time this afternoon with um, your favorite cool tools. I loved it. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. We're glad that you enjoyed this issue of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. Just want to remind you that we have some other coolish material on our YouTube channel here. Please subscribe, comment, like. In addition, um, this Cool Tools Show and Tell is also available in an audible podcast form. You can subscribe to it 
wherever you subscribe to other podcasts if you just wanted to listen. And if you're listening, know that there is a visual version of this on our YouTube channel where we're actually showing the tools and um, there's a little bit more of a visual component there. In addition, the same folks that put us, uh, the Cool Tools website out, we also put out a free newsletter every week. It's very, very short. It's one page or less. We recommend six very brief items um, that are very succinct, easy to read. You can deal with it in a couple minutes. And every week we bring to you the six cool things that we have uncovered and want to share. And it's called Recommendo with one M, recommendo.com. You'll be able to find it there. It's free. Join 50,000 plus other subscribers every Sunday morning. You'll get it in your email box. And it's actually one of the most popular things that we produce. But we do produce other newsletters as well. One of them is called What's in Your Bag. We have one that goes out to um, tools and tips for your workshop. So you can get those at our website, um, and they are also free. And finally, um, I want to mention the fact that um, we do have a Patreon, and um, this uh, podcast and this vidcast are supported by Patreon supporters. The minimum is a dollar a month, and for that, you get um, an email to ask us anything. We'll respond and um, answer your question if we're able to. There are other higher levels. You can all see those at our Patreon page. And all those links are below right here. So thank you again for being a fan. And um, we'll keep producing stuff if you enjoy it. Thanks. Thank you to this week's patrons, which include Sari Willis, Jamie Ehrman, Brian Brooks, David Ragger, Allison Pescusolio, John Hobson, Alan Lawson, Bill Patrick, Chip Riggs, and John Paul Bosoli. Thank you all.